Thank you for taking the time to listen to this life-changing message from the Ministry of Faith Bible Chapel. We hope this message will encourage you in all parts of your life. At the end of this message, you will hear more information on how to contact our church family, as well as directions for you to visit us for any of our worship services. Until then, join us for the service in progress. We're continuing this series, The Summer of Faith, and what we're doing is we're walking through the book of Ephesians. And and as we walk through, we really see that God's heart is communicating to Paul to this church that's in Ephesus. But here's the other deal. He's just not talking to some church in Ephesus. He's talking to you and me today. This isn't a letter written to a church back in the day, back in the, back in the early church time and all. That's interesting what's going on there. This is a letter that was God-breathed through the power of the Holy Spirit, through the pen of Paul, that is written and becomes our foundation as a church even today. And so we're navigating and walking through this, and these are, these are words that are going to last forever. And so this whole idea that this, this book was written to a church really resonates deeply in my heart, and it should resonate deeply in your heart, because that church is made up of people just like you and me. They're families, they're people, they're people who are walking through transition, walking through change of jobs, walking through health scares, walking through all kinds of things. And so Paul writes this letter and writes it to us for us to read of it, to read it and draw closer to Jesus Christ because of it. But this is what I love about the book. It's broken up into two sections. The first three chapters is about everything that God has done for you through his son, Jesus Christ. He has saved you. He has redeemed you. He has bought you. You can't earn your own salvation. It doesn't matter how good you are, how many good deeds you do. It's It's never gonna happen. It was Jesus or God through his son, Jesus, that died for you while you were yet a sinner and he called you. He made you a temple of the Holy Spirit. He clothes you in his righteousness. And it's all about Jesus. Amen? That's the first three chapters. The next three chapters are then, now that you understand that your salvation has nothing to do with how good you are, how many hoops you jump through, now that you understand what is happening inside of your life, what does salvation look like manifesting through you touching other people around you. The first is what God has done for you. The second is now that God has done that, how are you going to interact with people around you? So today, I want to talk to you about something that, uh, that maybe might be very challenging to many of us. And it's this whole idea of, are you marked with maturity? Are you marked with maturity? If I was to, to as you walked in here today, I was to put a mark on your hand, and you were to, to come in and sit down, I'd say, how many of you have a mark on your hand? And you'd look down, you'd see the mark, the person next to you would see the mark, and you'd raise your hand. Because let me, let me just tell you something, a mark looks like something. I know, I'd write that down, I know, I know. <laughs> to be marked with maturity means it looks like something manifesting in your life. A lot of people talk a lot about, I'm mature. They talk about it, they talk about it, they talk about it, but the fruit of their life is not maturity. How many know this? A person who has to tell people they're mature probably isn't mature. Because maturity is something that marks you. It's it obvious, it stands out. Other people can see it, and you can see it yourself. And so this whole understanding is this question, are you marked with maturity? And this is what Paul is talking about. And so I want to begin to read 
through Ephesians chapter 4, 11, verses 11 through 16, about what maturity looks like. And I believe God wants to challenge you. He wants to touch us. He wants to transform us today. And so today we're talking about growing up with God, becoming mature. How many here, just if, since we'll just be honest, how many here by the raise of your hand would, by raising your hand would say that you still have some growing up to do in your life? All right, so this message is relevant for all of us today. If you didn't raise your hand, you just lied. In church. <sighs> no, I'm just kidding. We all have to grow. And we're going to spend the rest of our life growing. And so let's read Ephesians chapter 4, 11 through 16. This is what it says. So Christ himself gave the apostles, the prophets, the evangelists. Now remember, he's writing this to a New Testament church. Prophets, the evangelists, and pastors, and teachers. Why? To equip his people for the work of service. Or another translation says for the work of ministry. So that the body of Christ may be built up until we all reach unity in the faith and in the knowledge of the Son of God and become mature. Everyone say mature. Attaining to the whole measure of the fullness of Christ, then we will no longer be infants tossed back and forth by the waves and blown here and there by every wind of teaching and by the cunning and craftiness of people and their deceitful scheming. Instead, speaking the truth in love. Now he begins to lay out what maturity looks like. We will grow to become in every respect the mature, everybody say mature, mature body of him who is the head. That is Christ. From him the whole body joined and held together by every supporting ligament grows and builds itself up in love as each part does its work. So this whole idea is this. You, we need to become mature. Go ahead and tell someone to the left and to the right of you, it's time to grow up. Just tell them. Be nice about it. It's time to grow up. But as we get into this, I, I, I want to talk to you briefly about our maturity. Because when you say you're mature or you say I'm, I'm, I'm wanting to grow up, what are we going to grow up to? What is the tape measure which we measure? What's our measuring point? What's our standard? And so I just want to clarify what, what our, our standard is, what we are shooting for. What can, we, what can we look at ourselves and look at the standard and say this is where we, sh we are short? Because I, just, I want to clarify a couple of things, but first, it, it's not wrong for a Christian to look up to someone else. There's a lot of people in my life that I look up to. I think, man, I wish I could be more like them in this area or more like that in their area. But here's the reality. Still, that person is just a human. So I think one of, one of the big struggles in church many times is we measure ourselves by ourselves or measure ourselves by other Christians. So we end up saying this, you know, but I'm not like them. So therefore, I'm good. Or we, we measure ourselves to a family member, to a father, or to someone, or a mother. And we think, you know what, listen, I'm, my dad's a good man. I'm like my dad, therefore I'm a good man. Or my dad wasn't a good man, and so I'm a little better than him, or I'm better than him, therefore I'm a good man. But here's the reality. Those measurements are a false measurement. Because it is the standard that we look up to be like Jesus, to, to be mature like him, to follow Christ, to become like him, to be conformed into the image of Jesus. And I know all of you are thinking right now, but that's never going to happen. And you're right. Not on your own power. You will never become a mature 
believer and, and have be marked with maturity. And that's why it's important for us to understand that the work of Jesus Christ is not just about salvation. It's not about saving you in your end. No, no. He saves you and then he's committed to walk with you every day of your life. To pull you up to a higher standard. To call you of the, of the man or the woman that you are. To walk with you. To help you grow in his power and in his grace. This is why he saved us. And this message is not about, it's not about us doing our best to please God. This message is about allowing Jesus inside of us to do his normal and conform us into his image and to mark us with maturity. Amen? So he is our standard and our measure, and we want to grow up in his grace and become mature like him. And so I want to just give you some, some references, some marks of maturity that we find in Ephesians and how he's writing this church and helping them to know, listen, this is how you know you're mature. These are the things I'm calling you to. And the first one is this, a mature Christian is that we are to, number one, we are to celebrate diversity. We are to celebrate diversity in the body of Christ. This is a mark of a mature believer that you can celebrate diversity. Immature Christians have a hard time appreciating diversity in the body of Christ. And the more mature that you are as a Christian, the more that you, that you begin to appreciate it. You begin to celebrate it. You begin to look for ways that you can acknowledge it. Now, I'm not talking about celebrating the fact that, that some Christians, they, they, they call sin, they call things that are, that are sins not a sin. I'm not talking about that. I'm, not, I'm talking about the variety in the body of Christ of people pursuing after Jesus Christ. Because there is a group of, of Christians who will say, yes, we're Christians, but we define what the standard is. We're the ones that defined it. And so if you are, are saying, actually, that's not the standard of Jesus, then somehow you're not celebrating diversity. That's not, I'm not talking about embracing different doctrines or different foundations. I'm talking about celebrating the variety of, in the body of Christ that God has given us. It's the expression of his creation on the earth of people actively, lovingly, humbly pursuing hard after Jesus Christ. So wouldn't you know, and many of us, we know that there's all types of different Christians, aren't there? Let me read off some of them. There's short-haired Christians. There's long-haired Christians. There's no-haired Christians. There are white-collar Christians, blue-collar Christians, no-collar Christians. There are Baptist Christians, Methodist Christians, Pentecostal Christians, non-denominational Christians. There are red and yellow and black and white Christians, all different kinds of them. This is something you need to understand. Every single Christian has the same Christ living inside of them as everybody else. Everybody else. And I believe God is the God of variety. God is the God that paints. I mean, look at creation and you travel around the world and you see the different the different landscapes, the different beautiful faces, the different colors of people, the different expressions of worship. And this is an expression of God himself. And that is what is called the body of Christ. And a mature Christian celebrates the diversity in the body of Christ. Amen? But the reality is this. We are all guilty of judging other people 
because of whatever, what other religious backgrounds maybe we have. Listen, a lot of people who, who were, were saved in a charismatic background, a lot of times you get that church and they're talking about how that church isn't, it isn't good like their church because their church does this stuff in the Holy Spirit and flows in the gifts, and, but they don't, so therefore they must be second-class Christians. Then you have that church saying, man, those people, they are nutso and crazy, and they don't really get the word of God. They don't really understand it. They're all spirit and no word, and, and that's insane. Then you have a Catholic church that says, those poor, those poor orphans, they don't have a father of the church, and the Pope is the father, and they don't have any covering over them. And all these different churches are always talking about how the other person doesn't have something that the other person has. How do you know that's not celebrating diversity? What you need to recognize It's the same spirit that raised Christ from the dead. It's the same spirit that lives in every single one of them. And that's for us to understand. And we are to celebrate diversity like God celebrates diversity. And that we have different ethnic backgrounds. And we, we, think, we think a certain person, because of the color of their skin, is, is acting a certain way, or they, their expression of worship is different. And, oh, my, that, I don't, that, that doesn't resonate with me. Well, good. That's okay. It doesn't have to. And I believe that God doesn't want us to ignore diversity. Especially in, in, in nowadays when all the conflict is happening between the whites and blacks. And you got people. And, and it's, it's terrible That's what things that are happening in our country. But we, the church needs to be the standard that celebrates what diversity looks like. It doesn't mean we demand conformity. But we celebrate diversity in the body of Christ. Do, do, this, this half of the room agreed. What, this, what about this half? All right, good. I just want to make sure. And I, and, I, and I think this, I think to say, and, and I've heard this before, and I understand where people are coming from, they say, you know what, I, I don't see color in this world. I think it's the wrong thing to say. What's wrong with seeing color? What's, what's wrong with acknowledging the beauty of different skin colors and ethnicities and bone structures and just being in awe. This is the beautiful expression and brushstroke of God Almighty who created all colors, all ethnicities. Every tribe, every tongue, every nation is all going to bow at his, at, at his throne. And so we should, we should see these and celebrate the beauty and the expression of God through different religious backgrounds and through different Ethnicities. This is what it means to be a mature Christian. Now, let, let me tell you, an immature believer has a hard time accepting anyone except somebody like them. There's always this little, mm. there's always this little separation. But maturity sees the value in every Christian, every generation, every ethnicity, and can worship God. A mature Christian, I'm going I'm to blow your minds, can worship God with different types of worship songs. I know it. That's, that's ridiculous. They can worship with hymns. They can worship with modern music. They can, they can worship with, listen, I, there are times, and you're going to think I'm weird, there are times that I actually put on monks chanting the psalms, and I listen to it, and I worship. I know, I'm weird. But that's what I do. Because I can, I, can, can, I can worship God. Why? Because God is worthy to be worshipped. I, 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 I don't require all of my needs to be met so I can worship God. That, how selfish is that? Maturity doesn't judge a heart of an individual 
before they know the heart of the individual. Paul is talking about the beauty of diversity in the body of Christ. And diversity is very important in the church. And we need to understand that. Because if you, here's, 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 here's why it's important. Because if you were exactly like me, one of us would be unnecessary. And I think that there, are, there are no two identical people in the body of Christ. We are so different. We look different. We have different gifts. We have different ministries. So we need to appreciate the beauty and the diversity of the body as something that comes with maturity. My challenge to you is this. Are you mature in this area of celebrating diversity? The second mark of a mature Christian is number two. You need, we need to pursue unity. A, a mature believer pursues unity. It goes after it. Verse 13 says this, until we all reach unity in the faith. In other words, we're to pursue maturity until we all reach unity in the faith. Paul did not have a deadline in mind. He didn't think, now once you reach there, I don't know what you're going to do because you're in unity. I don't know, I'll have to write you another letter. That's not what he's saying. This this is an expression that you're going to spend the rest of your life pursuing unity in the body of Christ. This is it. Now, here's something you need to understand. We don't create unity. It's impossible. The Holy Spirit creates unity. And our job is to protect it and to strive towards it. That's why what what this verse is simply saying is unity is something you're always working towards. You're always following the Holy Spirit. You're always allowing the Holy Spirit to, to lead and guide and to shape you. And I don't think any church... I don't mean this to sound um, fatalistic, but I don't think any church will ever come to the place as a church where they say, we have found perfect unity. Do you think? Is your family ever going to come to the place where it finds perfect unity? Where you agree on everything? No, it's not going to happen. This is an important thing to remember, what pursuing unity means, because some people get it confused. That pursuing unity does not mean demanding conformity. It's very important for you to understand. When you, if you were to look at your own family, there's some of you like Chinese food, some like Mexican food, some like burgers, some like all food like me, but we're easy. That's no problem. Some like barbecue. Have, have, have you ever gotten to a family meltdown and fight when you think, let's go out to eat, and everyone decided, I, I want to eat here, I want to eat there, and finally mom and dad's like, forget it, we're going to choose. Happens all the time. Pursuing unity doesn't mean that everyone agrees. It doesn't mean that people don't have their own opinions. It means when you sit down to eat the meal, whichever is in front of you, you get along and you enjoy the meal, regardless if it was your choice or not. Opinions are a part of diversity. You can disagree with me. That's okay. As long as you love me and I love you and Jesus is our Lord, we can still be in unity. And how many families have ever disagreed on something? Raise your hand. Okay. And how many families along the way you compromise what you want? Why? For the sake of unity. How many couples on a date night end up getting in a fight trying to decide where they're going to eat? Unity is something you pursue. It looks like something. It's not huffing and puffing when someone don't, doesn't conform to your opinion. It's, it is pursuing unity above conformity. Why? Because we're mature. That's what a mark of maturity looks like. Now, I know there are some people 
And it's, I, need to, I need to recognize this today. There's some people who just do not want to be in unity. They don't want to. And that, the, the, the Bible calls those type of people fools, is what the Bible calls them. And so there are some people, it doesn't matter what you do. It doesn't matter how often, if you reach out to them, if you want to meet with them, you're trying to resolve something. It doesn't matter. They don't want to be in unity. And they, and they want to stand back from a distance and they want to, to, uh, to come against you and do their own thing and criticize you. I, I remember um, I was reading this quote from Billy Graham. He said, this is how you deal with your critics. You know, over the years, Billy Graham got slammed with a lot of stuff. People questioned his salvation. People questioned his ministry. People, and, and, he was in, and, and he said, those type of people, your critics, that don't want unity. He said, it's kind of like wrestling with a pig. Only one of you will enjoy it, and it won't be you. <laughs> unity. Looks like something. And some people will reject you pursuing unity. And they don't want it. But here's my challenge to you. And and this is what I think. I am not responsible for someone else's broken behavior. I'm not. I'm, I'm only responsible for my behavior. And that is to still pursue unity with them. I'm not going to go toe-to-toe with people. I'm not going to stand in a public arena and, and go toe-to-toe with them. And, well, you said this, and I said this. That actually didn't happen. But I'm not, I'm not going to do that. But I'm going to pursue unity on a personal level and reach out to them and try to meet with them and try to connect with them. If they reject that, then, then one, they have not earned any trust to step into a public arena with me at all or anybody else. They are what the Bible calls they are fools wanting you to wrestle with them and get muddy in their pigsty. And we're not going to do it. We're going we're to hold the standard of Jesus Christ. And so here's my challenge. Never let anyone else's behavior be an excuse for your bad behavior. We are to pursue unity. A mark of maturity actively pursues unity in the body of Christ. Number three, another mark is that you have emotional stability. This is an important and very, very important thing. Because many of us are controlled by our emotions instead of allowing the Spirit of God to control our emotions. Verse 14 says this. Then we will no longer be infants tossed back and forth by the waves and blown here and there by every wind of teaching and by the cunning and craftiness of men and their deceitful scheming. This is interesting. So he talks about we'll no longer be infants tossed back and forth by the waves. So this this is, he's talking about stability in our lives. And we need to have stability. And emotional stability is a big deal. And it's okay for us to be a spiritual baby or infant at some point because all of us come into a relationship with God and we're what's called born again. So we're a baby. And, and, we, and we're, we're growing and we're learning. That's when we enter the Christian life. And, and, and so this is an acceptable time to be a baby. But there's also an acceptable time for us to grow up. And that's what Paul's talking about. And here, here's, here's the reality of this. As we grow older, our bodies naturally mature. Amen to that? But that's not the same as our spirits. You can actually be a Christian for many, many, many years and still be very immature. Or you can be a Christian for just a couple years and actually be very mature. And this is what Paul's talking about. How, how can you tell? If you've grown, and let me ask you this, is there emotional instability in your life? 
Are you like the waves that are tossed back and forth? Are, is your day rise and fall determined on the weather, how people treat you, or how the stock market's doing, or, or if everything goes your way? Are you bouncing back and forth emotionally? You're up, you're down, you're valley. You're, is that you? The Bible says the mark of spiritual maturity is stability in your life. And have you ever noticed how an immature child never guards their emotions? Why? Because they're kids. So if, 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 if they're angry, you know they're angry. If, if they're happy, you know they're happy. If they're sad, you know they're sad. They can, be, they can be living in euphoria, playing with a truck, and someone take the truck out of their hands, and they will end up on the floor screaming, kicking, freaking out, not breathing. You give them the truck back, they're back up playing with it. Why? Because they're emotionally not stable. They have no control over their emotions. They're tossed back and forth by the waves of life. And it's, a, it's the same thing for us. Maturity is not tossed back and forth by what's going on. Maturity is steady, stays the course, it keeps moving. doesn't mean you're not affected on the inside. It means you process on the inside before you allow it to show on the inside. You, start, you, you have to prize this, the enemy coming against me. Am I going to have to just, do, do I just need to pursue unity with that individual? Do I just need to love them? Do I need to serve them? Do I need to die to my own flesh? And that's, that's what it is. There are a lot of people going around that say if you have emotions, you need to express them immediately. If you feel it, you just let it rip, baby. That's exactly the way a kid acts. And Jesus said you're to be childlike, but not childish. There's a difference. And emotional stability is a sign of maturity. Just because you feel something does not mean it is true and that you should act on it. That's very, very important. I mean, kids, what I love about kids will say anything, whatever they feel, boom, they say it. Like you'll talk to a kid, they'll be like, you're ugly. Thanks, kid. Or they'll, they'll, tell, I mean, they'll tell you anything. Why? Because they feel it, and they say it. It just comes out. One time, this is a funny story. One time, I, I went to the, to the restroom. And I went to the restroom, and I was in a hurry. And so I, I, instead of washing my hands, I used the hand sanitizer. So there was a kid in there. So I come out. I come out the hallway in here. And all of a sudden, this kid comes out of the bathroom and he yells down the hallway, You didn't wash your hands! <laughs> so I just kept running. I just, I'm the... <laughs> you say whatever you feel. Why? Because he's a kid. We have a dog. His name is Buddy. I know, it's a good name for a dog. I think he's the best dog in the world. He's about eight pounds soaking wet. Great dog for us. But here's the deal with our dog. When he gets tired, he gets cranky. And sometimes when, when he's laying on the couch and he's tired, I'll reach over and I'll, I'll pet him and I'll touch his like, back leg or something. And he'll be like, ah! And then, this is what I love, and then, he, and then he realizes, I can't believe I just did that. And then he looks at me and goes, I'm so sorry. I'm so sorry. <laughs> like his head droops. He, I'm, I'm an idiot. I'm so sorry. I'm so sorry. <laughs> Why? Because he's a dog. He's immature. And how many Christians act just like a dog? How many know we should be better than dogs? Amen? 
Okay, all right. That's a funny, you won't forget that one. So, You are not allowed to use what I just said to anyone in your life to say, you should be better than a dog. Stop being cranky. Don't tell them that. <laughs> that it's the same with a lot of Christians, that there are unstable emotions. Get them in situations that they later have to apologize for, they have to clean up for. And this is an area that all of us need to grow in as a church, every single one of us. Emotional, emotional stability is the mark of a mature Christian. And that is we are to strive for that and ask God to help us in our own lives. Another mark of a mature Christian is, number four, spiritual stability. And this is for, for people in the church and believers that, have you ever noticed that any new spiritual thing that comes up, people jump on it immediately? And so what will happen is like if, if someone new is coming on the scene and something like great is happening with them, they will jump over there. They'll begin to watch them. They'll begin to imitate them. They'll begin to speak like them, dress like them, talk like them, pray like them. And they'll do this. And, and so they'll do it. And then someone else will rise up. And then they'll begin to sing like them and, and be like them. And so all of a sudden you see they are tossed about by every doctrine, every new belief, everything that's cool and, and that's, on the, that, that's on, on the Internet and on a podcast. And, and so you become, you're tossed about all the time. Paul is writing to us as a church to say, hang, hang, hang on a minute. You need to be steady. You need to, you need to test all spirits. You need to make sure that what's going on is right. And the other side says, you need to be yourself. You don't, you don't need to be like everybody else. And people who are spiritually unstable are always going from this belief to this movement to this conference to this. And they're all the time, they're searching, they're searching, they're, 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 like, they're exhausted because they're spiritually unstable. And there's some people who go from church to church because they didn't like this, so they go to this church and they didn't like this. And, they, and soon they realize you can't find a perfect church because you're in it. And people go around from church to church to people who have the newest revelation on something, they show up, and they're blown by every wind of doctrine. Stability comes from reading the Word, getting into the Word, staying in the Word, and living the Word. That's where obedience comes. That, that's what st where stability comes in our obedience to the Word of God. Maturity is not led astray. So if you were led astray... It shows that there's areas of immaturity, and all of us are guilty of it in our own lives. Recently, there was a teaching that there was no hell. So there was kind of a, a movement on this um, a few years ago, and many Christians thought, man, I like that. I, that's a great idea. That, that's really great. I, I like the idea there's no hell. All right, there's no They began to, to lean this direction because they were tossed about. Or the other belief is this, that that. There are Christians and groups of Christians who are trying to rewrite the Bible. And they'll say things like homosexuality is really not a sin. It's actually okay. And, and, and Christians think, wow, that would be a lot easier if I believe that and endorse that to live in this world, to live in 2018, if I just believe that. And so what happens, and as we read the Bible, we think, I'll just highlight that with my black Sharpie, and I'll just do that just like that, and ee, ee, and then all of a sudden, wow, it says what I want it to say. Taking the Word of God for what the Word of God says 
is what's going to root you and give you spiritual stability. You will not be tossed about by every wind of doctrine. It's very important that we understand that. And so this doesn't mean we don't have compassion on people. It doesn't mean we don't love people the way we're supposed to love them. It means we are mature not to be unstable in our beliefs. Maturity means we don't use our experience or our personality to interpret the Bible, but we allow the Bible to bring clarity to our personality and our experience. That is what it means to be mature. Number five, a mark of maturity is that we speak lovingly to one another in the body of Christ. Verse 15 says this, instead, speaking the truth in love. Everybody say, in love. love. The sign and mark of a mature Christian is that you will speak the truth in love. Yes, you're going to speak the truth. That's that's one mark. But you will always speak it in love. And we live in an ever-increasing hostile world. That is, I mean, it is hostile. You, anything, I, I mean, if you post something on Facebook, hey, God is good, someone is like, well, which God are you speaking about? Or, or another Christian would be like, well, well, Jason, I think God is great. <laughs> and we're looking for all these things. How can I be hostile to you? How can I just, boom, just nail you? And, and it happens all the time. We have people on social media, on the Internet, that are just cowardice courageous people behind computers and keyboards just, boy, I'm going to be really, and then anonymous. And it's sad. Paul is telling this church before social media, speak the truth in love. So I'm going to talk, there's two contrasts to this verse. The first one is this, all truth but no love. And just, let me, let me, just, let me just say something real quick. A public forum is not the place to speak truth to an individual that could be harming to their hearts or their, or their emotions. That's not the place. Meet them face to face. Talk to them. If you find something that you, don't, that you disagree with, with somebody, give them a phone call. Say, hey, can, can I just meet with you and talk with you? Because... Your keyboard or your, your iPhone gives you a lot of courage that if you were in front of those people, you probably wouldn't say what you're about to say. And let me just challenge you on that. Use self-control and don't post. Amen? Amen. So speaking lovingly is that the contrast, the first one is this, is it's all truth and no love. That's, that, is, that is not what Paul's talking about here. Truth without love is brutal. And some people think it's a noble thing. I just call it like, I just say it like it is. Well, good for you. You don't have any friends. <laughs> Nobody wants to hang out with you. Nobody wants to come to you and share with you their, maybe something they're struggling or walking through. Why? Because I'm going to speak the truth. I don't, I don't care. You're right. You don't care. And that's why. You struggle, and you're going to struggle in your own life. A person who tells everybody what they think will end up talking to nobody. I just want you to think about that for a moment. And that's, that's the one contrast. All truth, but no love. That is not maturity. The second contrast is all love and no truth. Telling somebody you love them, but you are not willing to be truthful with them, that means you really don't love them. If you, if you are not willing to be truthful with them in a loving, caring way, it means you don't truly love them. 
Honesty is the basis of real, meaningful relationships. And Paul is saying this, I want you to speak the truth in love. Why do you think he was telling them to speak the truth in love? Because they were not speaking the truth in love. And so these are the two contrasts. But then the the beautiful package of truth and love is exactly what Paul says, that we are to speak the truth in love. That is a mark of a mature Christian. And the last one is this. The last mark of a Christian is number six, that we would serve willingly. We would serve willingly. Verse 16 says this. From him the whole body, joined and held together by every supporting ligament, grows and builds itself up in love. As each part, everyone say each part, does its own Work. In other words, there is a part to be done in the body of Christ that is reserved for you. That each part would do his or her own work. We live in such an individualistic world that everything is about me, where life is about my dreams, my desire, my needs. And it's normal to hear this in the Christian world. It's made its, its, its way into the Christian world. that Everything's about me fulfilling my dream, my destiny, my purpose. It's all about me. Except Jesus said this, it's more blessed to give than it is to what? To receive. So people think, help me fulfill my dream. Help me fulfill what's in my heart. Help me fulfill my purpose. And to be honest with you, that is my heart and my passion towards you. I want to help you fulfill your purpose. But all of us need to understand, I need to fulfill my purpose so that I can be more of a blessing to others and give to to them out of the giftings and calling on my life. It's a posture shift. And the mark of maturity is when we serve, it's done from a willing heart. Not to be seen, not to be heard, not to be recognized, not something you can do so you can use on your resume, not something you can weave in a conversation later that you can be like, hey, just so you know, I serve people. As you know, I sometimes get a little sarcastic, so I hope it's not a little too much with you. <laughs> it's, 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 this is about you want to serve willingly. And what do you give? It might be your time. It might be that God's given you finances. It might be certain skills that you have. It might be working with your hands. It might just be you're showing up because there's a need because we're having a serve day and there's a need and we're just asking you to show up and just slot in and just serve willingly. And serving and maturity looks at the body of Christ as something that's their responsibility. A mature individual looks at the body of Christ and says, how can I serve? An immature believer looks at the body in Christ and says, what can they do for me? How can they help me? Do they sing those songs that I like? Do they do, they do the lighting the way that I want it? Does the d- decor fit me right? Does the worship team look the way I want them to look? It's perfect. It's good. <laughs> that's, what, that's what an immature, immature Christian says. What I say and how I feel is more important than how you feel. An immature Christian says, what I desire 
in this church is more important than even what God desires in this church. And I'm being honest with you. An immature Christian says, I don't care what the pastor thinks. I know what's best. I don't care what the elders think. I know what's best. That's not maturity. That is immaturity. And Paul says this, I want you to grow up. I want you to be mature. I want you to stop looking at people and trying to get them to conform into your box and celebrate diversity in the body of Christ. I want you to pursue unity in a way that honors the Savior that lives in you. It doesn't expose people. It doesn't call people out. You don't post things online to rip people apart. You don't put write a blog so you can demolish somebody's name. No. Be mature and have a conversation with people. It means that we're emotionally stable. And we're not tossed about by things go our way. If we have a good day, bad day. Yeah, we're, we're all, we're all going to falter. We're all going to struggle in every single one of these. We're all going to have emotional days that just, oops, we're going to have to run to Jesus. But it's in those emotional days. It says, how do you follow up? Do you, do you go back and ask for people's forgiveness? Or do you take an immature stance and think, well, it, it doesn't matter. Because a child throws fits. And then never usually apologize because the parent will cover it depending on the age. Maturity says, when I do blow it, I make it right. God wants us to be spiritually mature, that we're not, we're not always looking for the, for the greatest next light show or the greatest next revelation or the greatest next... No, no, we're just we're walking life out in the community that God's called us to walk it out. We're celebrating what God's doing in our midst, and we're a part of it, and we're moving forward one step at a time. And it's speaking lovingly. It's about guarding our hearts because Jesus said, whatever comes out of your mouth is basically what your heart is full of. And so we're saying, Lord, change my heart because I don't speak lovingly to people. And it's also a serving willingly. These are the marks of a mature Christian. And this is what Jesus is saying. Hey, come up here with me. There's more for you. There's more for you to walk in. There's more freedom to walk and the emotional instability. There's more freedom for, to walk and, 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 and prejudice that's in your own mind towards people who are different denominations or different ethnicities. Jesus said, no, come on. Come on up here. And it's out of his grace and his kindness that he invites us to become more like him. And we can't do it on our own, but as you submit to his grace and his power, he will bring forth fruit of maturity in your life. Let's bow our heads for a moment today. We hope that this message has spoken something personal to you. If you would like more information about our church family or service times, please call us at 303-424-2121 or visit us at our website, www.fbci.org. Faith Bible Chapel currently meets in our Family Worship Center located on the corner of 62nd Avenue and Ward Road.